Hi, I'm Noah Postema. And I'm Jackson Greer. Welcome to the Info Cafe. So today is April 21st, it's Friday, and uh, got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Good show. Great coming show up coming up. Yeah. A few, a few disagreement, well, debates to be had. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For 21, sure. <laughs> um, nice segue into uh, this day in history. Yeah. Uh, in 753 BC, a certain, a certain empire was founded. Well, city. Well, it turned into an empire. <laughs> uh, the founding of Rome occurred. Um, yeah, we all know the uh, how another fable goes. Romulus and Remus. Romulus nurse, killed off Remus nurse by a she wolf. Yeah, mm-hmm. and ultimately ended in, in the unfortunate demise of, of Remus. Mm-hmm. Um, classic, classic brother, brother, yeah. brother v brother motif. Yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. Um, Fast forward to uh, 1918. We got the Red Baron, the, the famous Red Baron, uh, Baron Manfred von Richto. Rick, uh, I'm not exactly sure. The, how to say the it. inspiration of the carryout pizza from most most uh, actually yes. grocery stores. Mm-hmm. The Red Baron, that Red Baron. Yeah, let's see. Um, last name here. It's confusing. It's okay. a ger- it's a German one. Tough to tough to say. Most, most German names are. Yeah. Lots of syllables. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Richtofen. Richtofen or Richtofen? Richtofen. Yeah. But uh, he actually came into the battle pretty confident. He had 80 victories under his belt. Wow. Before he was gunned down by, uh, you guessed it, Canadian. Oh, Canadians. Always upending Germans, Germans' master plans. Yeah. Especially in World War I, man. Mm-hmm. Well, he was 80 and 1 in his career, I yeah. guess. That's a pretty good win percentage. Yeah. It's like a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame basketball coach. Mm-hmm. He missed one game during a season ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, and finally, fast forward again, <laughs> all the way to 1973. A popular, popular song hit, hit hit the top of the charts. Yeah, Tony Orlando's uh, "Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree." Um, have, you ever, have you ever tied a ri- yellow ribbon around an old oak tree? I haven't, and the thing is, not many people have. No. It's it really wasn't a thing before the song was made. Like there were songs about tying a yellow ribbon on a tree, but like no one ever actually did it. It's crazy that that many people identified with that. Yeah, like, that kind of song. Yeah, because it's not really relatable. Like, I guess nowadays people might do it because the song made it popular mm-hmm. to do it. But before then, mm-hmm. like people were like the Library of Congress was getting a bunch of calls uh, asking about the history of tying a yellow ribbon, and they're just like there is no history. There's a couple songs about it, but no one ever did it. So that's a pretty important day in history because he kind of created yeah tony orlando tony orlando to- tony orlando creator of the tying a yellow ribbon around an old oak tree craze yeah pretty wild mm. good job tony uh, april 21st off to a better start than uh, this is true better better than the infamous <laughs> april 19th april 19th yeah moving on to our, our culture club section um, we all know Kendrick Lamar released his album over the weekend. Uh, it's been it's been pretty popular. Yeah. Um, 
received lots of critical acclaim. Just for a solid, solid album. Rightfully and, so. Yeah, and one of his his, I guess, hits off the album, DNA, a song loved by both of us. Yeah, one of my favorites. It features a music video in which Kendrick Lamar and a, a, a certain famous actor are are seen, uh, or rather heard, rapping back and forth. Mm. It's a very very interesting scene. It's kind of set in an interrogation room. But this this actor, critically acclaimed, Oscar nominated, Don <laughs> Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Um, he 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 portrays Kendrick's antagonist in the in the music video, and the thing is, Kendrick has this alter ego that he kind of goes by. It's called he goes by the name Kung Fu Kinney, and that that has an interesting backstory because Kung Fu Kinney, as Kendrick puts it, was inspired out of a actually out of a Don Cheadle role in in the movie Rush Hour Two, mm-hmm. in which Don Cheadle plays a Chinese restaurant owner who goes by the name of Kinney. And what's funny is Don Cheadle is is the antagonist in this in this music video in which Kendrick Lamar goes by the name Kung Fu Kinney. Mm. But where it gets interesting is that Don Cheadle, when asked about this this name that Kendrick goes by and the source, the creation behind it, does not remember acting in Rush Hour 2. He does <laughs> not remember his, his Kinney Chinese restaurant owner role. Um, which which begs the question, what other roles has Don Cheadle forgotten he's played? <laughs> well, first of all, I'd like to play, uh, make the point here. Who who blames him for forgetting that he acted in Rush Hour 2? I don't blame him. No, I don't, I don't blame him either. It's fine. I, most people don't even remember Rush Hour 2 as a movie. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know what happened in it. I, well, I have the privilege of, of remembering kind of what happened in it. It's a, it's a Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah. I remember Jackie Chan. That's about all I know about yeah. it. He's, he's caught in Rush Hour most of the movie. <laughs> just him sitting in traffic. Uh, nice. I wish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, what what I would say, Don Cheadle's probably forgotten, or at least if he hasn't, he wants to very badly about Hotel for Dogs. Uh, don't we all? Yeah, that was such an odd, Inter- like interesting concept. A Hotel for Dogs. Yeah, I would check my dog into a Hotel for <laughs> Dogs. Yeah, I would. Um, preemptively, I think he. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I don't think he has yet, but I think he will eventually forget about uh, playing Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes Rody? in Iron Man. I think he will forget about it eventually. The thing is, as my brother knows, Jared, friend of the show, that I prefer Terrence Howard playing Lieutenant Colonel Rhodes um, mm. in the Iron Man franchise as opposed to Don Cheadle. Yeah, uh, he just he just is a better better Rhodey in my mind. <laughs> um, so yes, I I often forget that Don Cheadle. Was was an Iron Man franchise? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. Guy. I mean, he's acted a lot. Yeah. But you think you think you you kind of remember when when you're prompted that he acted in a <laughs> that is very odd that you'd forget role. that. It's funny, but nonetheless. Um, uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one. Fahrenheit four fifty one. Getting the HBO remake treatment. HBO remake tr- treatment. Or treatment that's that's coveted these days. Yeah, absolutely. Fahrenheit 451, the the novel by Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury, Bury, Bury, Bury. Um, we might finally get a good a good adaptation mm. of this this classic story, a story in which a fireman, um, oh, a story in which that is set in a in a world where books are banned, but a fireman who whose job is to burn books, actually ironically, mm. uh, is discovers books, uh, begins reading them, and then subsequently begins to hide them unbeknownst to his his boss and his co-workers um 
But in this HBO remake, the the main protagonist Montag is played by Michael B. Jordan, mm. which is interesting. That's exciting. Very very exciting. Michael B. Jordan brings passion to every project. Yeah, I really. Oof. Last mm. time I think last time I saw him was Creed. Mm-hmm. I loved Creed. It was good. And as much as you loved you love seeing Michael B. Jordan um, boxing, fighting, punching. Yes. I'm more excited to see him reading. <laughs> it's gonna be really cool to see him just just discovering books again. Yeah. Maybe for the first time, actually. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, uh, another 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 interesting cast in in the remake is that of his his boss, his overbearing boss that eventually discovers that he's been uh, keeping books to himself, and this is played by Michael Shannon, mm-hmm. one of one of my favorite actors. Love that, Michael Shannon. That that in the sense plays an antagonist or a encroaching role. Um, it's interesting, the writer for this remake was actually the director of a film called 99 Homes, in which Michael Shannon also starred as a ruthless cutthroat realtor who made deals under the table. Um, but Michael Shannon, time after time, is is known for this for that scowling, that, that overbearing presence. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic between yeah, your, your literary genius, Michael B. Jordan, and Michael Shannon as his boss. Uh. I'm I'm excited. I am very excited. Mm-hmm. Anything that HBO does is typically pretty mm. pretty pretty good. Big yeah. little eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this got me thinking. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, popular popular book. The thing the thing with adapting novels, is tricky. It is. It's tricky converting that that written word to to screen. Um, yeah. And I would say a lot of times it kind of gets forced because mm-hmm. while. Uh, you know, 1984 makes a good novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, like this is what uh, the, um, I believe the the director for uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Michel Gondry. I don't, I, I think it's Michel because it's French. But uh, he he was originally going to do like he had plans to direct the uh, Ubik adaptation mm-hmm. which actually never happened but because he he actually said it himself he's like it's a really good novel and that's what it is it's like mm-hmm. it, it's meant to be a novel like it doesn't really have the dramatic makeup to be right. a film which a lot of times is the case for many different novels and people try to force it and ends up not really doing the the book justice the original story justice which is disappointing but another another aspect that i kind of cite as one of, one of the reasons why adaptations don't always work out is when you look at the classic books, mm-hmm. movies weren't really as popular. Yeah, um, that wasn't really the intent behind writing the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like, and all, and also the authors didn't flat out didn't want their books made into movies. <laughs> uh, for example, J.D. Salinger, author of The Catcher in the Rye, he he specifically and explicitly said that I do not want this book ever made into a movie. Um, Kind of, kind of the same with Aldous Huxley when he wrote Brave New World. Mm-hmm. He he had the intent of I don't want this produced on a on a uh, screen. So there's that certain aspect too when mm-hmm. when these authors put out their work that they don't always want it to be uh, adapted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I don't either. <laughs> Unless of course it's Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> and he is reading books. Exactly. Nonetheless, yeah, that's the exception. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. I am looking forward to it. I'm very excited for this. Uh, got a little uh, literally literature. Yeah, little. What do we got? Literally literature update. So I started the broom of the system. 
mm-hmm. the David Foster Wallace novel that I promised I would. And, whew, whew, boy, let me tell you, <laughs> it's it's heavy. Uh, the thing about David Foster Wallace, you you need you need more than just the book when you when you start when you start that journey. You need you need about four different bookmarks. Guy, the guy loves footnotes, um, and you need you need a thesaurus. He invents his own words. It's it's incredible. There's there's just some some phrases that I way beyond my my knowledge. Um, you also need some Advil, get some nice headaches, and often you need Wikipedia open uh, next to you to to fire up some Google searches real quick. Yeah, um, but it's a journey. We'll we'll definitely keep you updated, or I will keep you updated on how that goes. <laughs> yeah, um, <no> reading <laughs> as I as I make my journey through another David Foster Wallace novel. Yeah, that's literally literature and wraps up our culture club. Right. You going to talk a little bit about what ha- what's going on, what's happening? What's happening around the world? In the world and domestically here at home in the US. Yes. Your your favorite news news source. Nope. No. It's not? Oh no. Really? I could have sworn don't, it was. Don't levy that on me. No. Well, my my favorite <laughs> news source, Fox News. They they had to let let go of their best man. They had the, they had the <laughs> their top dog. Their top, no, not well, their top dog. Their their top uh, their prime time. Their prime, their news guy. Yeah, their Raiders Raiders grabber. Yes, yeah, ratings ratings ratings, ratings guy. Yeah, ratings yeah. guy. Top yeah. ratings guy. Uh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Uh, he's gone after some <sighs> sexual harassment allegations. There's uh, he he'll claim that there's there's not really anything there. He there's has not, claims. Not subst- yeah, he has. Mm-hmm. There's no substance behind it. Um, but in, the, in these very very sensitive times, mm-hmm. uh, what with the CEO uh, getting ousted as well. Uh, Roger. Yeah. Fox can't really uh, they can't really take any chances there, and no. they gotta they gotta protect their 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 hind they their do. hindies. <laughs> they do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Fox Fox is in a precarious situation here, uh, with with everything going on internally. Word on the street though, Glenn Black, Glenn Black, Glenn Black, Glenn Black, Glenn Beck is potential replacement. That would be if interesting. There's, if there's anyone that can save Fox, it's Glenn Beck. It's Glenn Beck, savior. I don't, gosh, man, I I'm just not a huge fan of these guys, honestly. Well, Glenn Beck is all right, I guess, but. I don't know. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. It's kind of. I've read. I've read a few of Bill O'Reilly's novels, and he's yeah. a far better writer than he. He is, should just uh, seclude himself yeah. and write novels. I think that's or books. He said. About he said he's killing, con- contemplating retirement. He should write an autobiography called "Killing Bill O'Reilly." Killing Fox News <laughs> <laughs> internally. Uh, yeah. So. It's just kind of a developing situation. They say, I guess. They say he's. He's walking out the door with tens of millions. Well, it's just his compensation. For yeah, all the trouble. A little severance package yeah. action. So, not not too hard on him. Yeah, gosh, man. Oh, having to leave. I mean, I guess he was a younger guy. That's the sexual harassment allegations would affect him. But since he's older, he's kind of he's cemented know, his status. He's towards the, the business yeah. end of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's fine. He'll just mm-hmm. go retire in yeah. the Caribbean or something. Ohio, go back to his roots. Yeah, <laughs> O'Reilly. Yeah. Uh, but enough of that. Yeah. And. I say enough of uh, Europe and North Korea news. Enough. We've had enough. We're, we're turning our attention to the long-forgotten South, Ameri- South American continent. Uh, 
You know, it seems a lot of people a lot of people forget about is, South America. Is that the worst continent we have? Yes. It is. It is. I hate it. I hate South America. Have you ever been? No. You just I just don't like it. I it's very I'm sure it's very beautiful. I just it's a lot of culture. Definitely my least well, that's true. Maybe I don't hate it. Although I I do think it's at the bottom I just, of the continents. Yeah. Both I mean, and Antarctica's just kind of a bunch of ice, but polar bears. Real quickly, let's go ahead and rank our continents here. Okay. Uh, we'll go. Gosh, I mean, do I want to? Uh, I can't put North America number one. I'm gonna go ahead and put. Uh, I'm putting North America number oh one. Oh my gosh! Because of Canada. Uh, Canada. That's right. That's All right, no, fine. That's my only North reason. America. North America number one. Only reason. Number two. Uh, I guess we're gonna have to go where it all first started. Uh, Fertile Crescent. The Fertile Crescent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that? Asia? Yeah, that's Asia. Asia, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Asia, yeah. Asia. Go back to your roots. Return to my roots here. Mongolia, Asia number two. Tell the Han. Yeah, exactly. Genghis Khan. Um, oh, guys. The guys. Yeah, then I guess we'll go. Got it. Got it. Europe. Europe. Also, kind Europe. of a return to your lesser, mm-hmm. less less grounded roots. <laughs> our our roots. In a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. What is that? North America. Asia. South America's Europe. at the bottom. Yeah. Australia. Australia. I would put them. Interesting, interesting history there in Australia, the down yeah. under. Yeah. Very interesting. You see that there's a lot of uh, scary looking kangaroos out there. Have you the, the videos with the, the super oh, yeah. jacked? Oh, right. Yeah. The dude had like punched the kangaroo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. What about Africa? How do you feel? Africa, if they, if you were just cut off the top half, and just leave like the sub-Saharan part. It would probably be pretty high, but that, that's there. Is that our most underdeveloped continent? I think still. I mean, Antarctica is pretty underdeveloped. If you ask me. I don't know. Nobody knows what's up there. <laughs> have we have we been? We've we been to Antarctica. Uh, Asylum Films has been, and they claim that there's Nazis. Oh. Frozen at the center of the earth. It's not, and but yeah, it's it's under Antarctica. I think maybe that's it's the north to me. Bit, yeah. Man. All right, so North America. Asia, Europe, Australia, Antarctica, Africa, South America. Is that what we're looking at? Uh, I'm going Africa, Antarctica, South Africa, America. Antarctica, South America, South America, South America. I'm sure South America is really fun. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just hating it, but you'll you'll see here. All right, so what's going on? Why why we even got here in the first place? Uh, the socialists of South America are, are at it again. We've got Mr. Nicholas Maduro. Uh, he's the so-called president of Venezuela. Is that a self t- self self placed title? Yeah, it's kind of like what Erdogan's doing in okay. Turkey. He's like he says I'm president, but he's really a dictator. A lot of, a lot of people like that. Yeah. Uh, so basically, let me take you back five years. Uh, the the Venezuelan government and Maduro put forth legislation that ultimately led to the confiscation confiscation of civilian firearms and the the outlaw of commercial. Uh, selling of firearms so basically they just took away all the guns from civilians and now the only people that are allowed to buy them are the military police and then certain security groups like private security groups uh, and that's kind of been taking place over five years um, and now he is arming his supporters oh his militia uh, his yeah which is pretty dangerous considering no one else has guns uh, the police can't really do anything about no. that because I mean, it's a militia versus a police force. Uh, 
So the civilians are unarmed. The militia is very armed. It's a hot situation there. Lots of riots and protests. Uh, some lives being lost, unfortunately, too. And they they would they kind of backed it up by by saying that they need to combat the rampant uh, murder rate, murder murdering going on in in Venezuela. Mm. How rampant? Well, back when the legislation was passed in 2012, there was 73 murders per 100,000 inhabitants, which is a lot. But by contrast, uh, and here in the U.S. When we, we talk about gun control all the time, how it's, you know, we need more of it and stuff like that. The murder per 100,000 is five. Five people are murdered per 100,000. Okay. Yeah. So, that's 73. Quite, 73. Quite difference. Yeah, keep that in mind. 73 in 2012. Uh, present day, you know, after they've passed all the legislation, all the laws, taking up civilian firearms, mm-hmm. that number actually rose from 73 to 91.8 murders per 100,000 inhabitants. Wow. So let me get this straight. You you instill you instill these regulations to take away firearms. Yeah. And and your 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 murder total goes up. Yes. Hmm. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. Also, I'm not trying to you know point any fingers here, but this story is getting like virtually nothing in uh, American media. Like this, it's hardly like anywhere. Whenever I started doing some research on it. Mm-hmm. No, no one was really covering. Really, no one even talked about it, uh, except for this one. Uh, it's called the Washington Free Beacon, which is pretty conservative. Granted, mm-hmm. I think, hopefully, uh, but uh, this. I mean, they're they're, they're citing all their their sources and whatnot, mm-hmm. so it should be kind of relatively mm-hmm. true, <laughs> <laughs> relatively valid. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of disappointing to see that it's not really getting any coverage. This is a pretty important, sensitive issue, and you can bet your your top dollar, your bottom dollar, whatever dollar you want, that this isn't getting coverage because you know that all the people will be going wild over the, oh look, they're taking away guns and the murder mm-hmm. rate per one hundred thousand people still rose and all that stuff. So it's a nice little sample size for what yeah. that can do for your for exactly. Your country. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Yeah, I thought we'd just you know take a break yeah. from the North Korea missile. Slash break some of the news uh, ourselves. Yeah. Get it out there for yeah. some people. Yeah. Hey, stay woke, everyone. Do your research because there's some stuff going on that won't always get coverage, mm-hmm. just like in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And this is the Info Cafe. We're, we're breaking this to the people. We're getting it out there. We're exposing Venezuela. <laughs> well, not maybe not exposing. Yeah. And once again, I, I extend the offer. Nicholas Maduro can come on the show and talk to us if he wants. That's two offers on the table yeah. right now. Uh, Erdogan, uh, if you're still listening. <laughs> oh, he's listening. Oh, he's listening. <laughs> Please get back to us. Email us. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Mm-hmm. Have a nice chat. Subscribe if you want. Subscribe, yeah. Leave a rating, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Five stars on iTunes. Okay. Thank you. A little shout-out mid, mid-show. mid Yeah, shout-out to you. <laughs> well, I retract that. Not a shout-out. <laughs> a challenge to Erdogan here. Speaking yeah. of challenges. Yes, the Thunder are up against a big challenge in the, in the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. Yes, yeah. they are. A challenge uh, I don't think they'll overcome. No, if they won't. Uh, they're probably going to get they're, they're probably gonna get uh, swept, yeah. I would imagine. I don't really see. Well, well maybe one game. Maybe, maybe one game in OKC. A one-game eruption in OKC. They yeah. S- they steal it. But ultimately, Andre Roberson 
does not need to be on the floor. Okay. This okay. is uh. You want to talk under Robertson? No, my goodness, yes. Yes, I Ready? do. Okay. Okay. So, well, first, let's talk. Let's talk the Thunder's lineups that they've had out on the floor. They've, yeah. They've just been combinations of atrocity in my mind. The mm -hmm. the bigs can't guard the Houston Rockets. You're Stephen Adams, Ennis Cantor, Taj Gibson. They just don't match up well against this team that hoists three-pointers at an alarming rate. Um, yeah. So the lineup that, that I wanted, I would try, that I would I would put forth to somehow combat this team yeah. would be a lineup featuring Russ, Victor Oladipo, Andre Roberson, Doug McDermott, and Jeremy Grant. Now what you lack here in, in height and size, you make up for in athleticism and frankly the best shooting the Thunder has in McDermott and Grant. And McDermott did provide a little spark in game two yeah. off the bench. Yeah, he scored He scored 11 points yeah. in 14 minutes. He he is also probably the Thunder's worst defender on the perimeter. Um, so that's what, that's what you lack there. But when you put Roberson on the floor, that helps make up for it because, and, I, and I'm not a numbers guy, but I'm gonna throw some numbers out here. Same right metrics guy. Yes. Um, when Roberson is on the court, the Thunder allow 5.4 points fewer per 100 possessions. Um, even even though he doesn't score that much, he, he can't. We, we we know he can't create his own shot. We know no. we know he can't shoot. Um, shoot. We know he can't. He's the worst shooter drive. in the league uh, from the three point line. But I will say, his value is measured in other ways that that, that doesn't necessarily show up in the points column. And it's shown in this way: the the Thunder average 6.2 more fast break points when Roberson is on the court. So what he does is he's he's affecting the game in a way that that translates into offense, not necessarily showing through him, but through others. Um, night after night, Roberson is tasked with guarding the, the other team's best player, whether that be Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, or even James Harden. And speaking of James Harden, did he did he guard him? Did he guard him last night? No. Uh, well, no. But here's the thing: in the twenty seven the twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season, when he when Andre Roberson was guarding James Harden. Harden's effective field goal percentage was 27.7. Hmm. When he wasn't guarding James Harden, his effective field goal percentage was 68.8. Where did you find this? This is from Advanced Metrics on NBA.com. You can do player to player like that? Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Found it. Um, this is interesting. And I another point to show how Roberson is, he improves his team. Would you agree Ennis Cantor is, is one of the Thunder's worst defenders in space? Yeah, he is. You saw him get turned around by Harden. Okay. Well, when Cantor is on the court without Robertson, Roberson, the team averages 113.2 points per 100 possessions, the worst in the league. Mm. When Cantor is on the court with Roberson, however, the team averages 101.6 points for, per 100 possessions. Rising to the second best in the league. That's that's a twelve point difference between one guy being on the court with the team's possible worst defender. So that that just that just shows the 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 way he elevates the entire team. Um, I I, I want I him on the, I want him on the court at all times. See, I I I don't I'm not gonna dispute any of the statistics. I'm just saying my main point here is against the Rockets. You have to cut your losses. Either he's gonna guard Harden or he's not. He didn't. I guess he didn't guard Harden last night because Harden had thirty-five. Right. And and I guess he didn't guard Eric Gordon or Lou Williams. Lou Williams Patrick, showed up in a big way. Or Patrick Beverly, mm -hmm. because they all had around twenty points. I don't know who he's guarding, but he's not really doing anything. 
Would you agree Harden is a, a very good pick and roll player? Yeah, yes, that's what he right, does. So, that's so when does. you, it's tricky because the Rockets' offense is set up in such a perfect way for Harden because he has shooters surrounding him at all times, and then he has a pick and roll guy, Clint Capella, that's just it's hard to match up with. But when when you're guarding the pick and roll, you don't want to put your best defender on Harden because he gets picked right away. You want to you want to put your best defender, Roberson, in this case, in a position where he helps off. But when he's guarding a guy like Trevor Ariza or um, Eric Gordon, where he, has to, where he has to worry about the three-point shot, it's kind of hard to, to help all the time. But with this, with the lineup that I said a while ago, you can you can potentially hide Doug McDermott on Trevor Ariza. You can put Harden, I mean not Harden, you can put Jeremy Grant on Harden and then put Roberson on a guy like Eric Gordon to help off when necessary um, and uh, find a way to, to kind of stop it. Yeah, but I thought... If Roberson, if you don't want to have Roberson on Harden, I thought whenever Roberson was guarding Harden, this is a drop off there. It, but there now, is. but now there's there not. Is. Well, no, no, there is. Through the, the way the way I would I would coach it if I was Billy Donovan is to to have Roberson in this this help position throughout most of the game, and then when crunch time comes, put him exclusively on Harden. Because because you you don't want you don't want a guy like McDermott having to having to worry about um, Harden throughout most of the game. Yeah, but I mean, if he's gonna be in crunch time, that's that's prime pick and roll time for Harden. He's gonna get picked again. That's what it comes back to. Harden is one of the premier picked. the premier offensive players in the game. You yes. can't really stop him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm saying. I I Robertson should get minutes. Yes, like you said in crunch time, definitely put him on a guy. But against especially a team like the Rockets, who's their their mm-hmm. system is just so good offensively. I I would say cut your losses defensively. They're gonna score on you, and they're gonna score a lot. They're gonna shoot a lot. That's just mm-hmm. they're they're high volume shooters. They're gonna get points no matter what, and they're gonna get the shot they want mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. Why why bo- <laughs> I don't say why bother, but why bother <laughs> defensively it, with Andre Overson to have him have him have him on the court guarding someone like like James Harden or Eric Gordon mm-hmm. when they can just give it up to James Harden, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know I don't know who else you're putting on the court in his place. Victor Oladipo has been shooting 19 percent this series. I think I think what I would I would go with, uh, I would go ahead and have Taj Gibson guard uh, Capella. Okay. Uh, and then I'd probably put McDermott on either Ariza or Ryan Anderson. You can live with Ariza taking shots. Yeah. Yes. You can do that. And Ryan Anderson. Didn't shoot all that well. He's mm-hmm. pr- typically a good shooter, but last or I guess two nights ago, technically, uh, he's like one for seven from three. Mm-hmm. So kind of just depending on the night. Uh, and I'll probably go Jeremy Grant at the Jeremy Grant or Doug McDermott on three to three mm-hmm. to four, either one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's Ryan Anderson we're talking about here. He's not gonna you know yep. take you down though, out rebound you or whatever, be physical. You can have you can live with. I think uh, Doug McDermott or Jamie Grant on uh, Brian Anderson, and then go Old Depot at the two, and then the rest of the one. It's kind of a small lineup, but the Rockets don't really—they're not gonna get it to you down low and kind of abuse that. They're like Clint Capella would not abuse Taj Gibson. No, he space he does. Clint Capella does space out the floor and runs the floor very well. Yeah, uh, Taj has not really been able to keep up with him most of the, most of the two games. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, I the 
bottom line is I want Roberson on the court just because he he raises the entire defensive um, rating of the team, um, regardless of of who they're playing. Um, I'm more arguing for his value as as a player, not necessarily in this series. The the Rockets just the Thunder just do not match up well against the Rockets in yeah. any in any respect. They're they're a, a rebounding big man team, and the Rockets are the best three point team, best three point shooting team in the in the league. So it's apples and oranges. Yeah, uh, hmm. yeah. Roberson's just not a not a huge Rockets guy. I no. don't think he can handle it. No. He, I, he's, he's, I, I don't think, I don't think he should just not play at all. I, he had 37 minutes last night. Yeah, he averages 31 minutes a game. That just, it's not necessary in my mind. Really? 37 minutes? That's the second most on the team. Yeah. He doesn't. Your, your best defensive guy. You look, you no. look at, you look at other teams with, with their best defensive guys and, and uh, Alfred Camino, Chris, well, no, Chris Paul's point guard, but um, guys like Alfred Camino and. Uh, is Aminu Tony Allen? Is Aminu as bad offensively as Roberson though? He his usage rate is is next to Roberson's at ten percent. But Aminu, at least from, from what I've seen, three. he can shoot. He yeah, can shoot a three. he can shoot. Tony Allen though, a similar guy. Lockdown defender doesn't really create his own offense. Yeah, uh, it's a comparable comparison. I would say Tony Tony Allen's probably a little bit. He's definitely more experienced. He is. I'd yeah. say he's Roberson's in his more fourth athletic. year. Roberson just kind of looks – he looks kind of lost most of the time in my mind. Just kind of slow. I think Tony Allen's a bit, bit – uh, yeah. I mean, if, if it was a toss-up between Tony Allen and Andre Roberson, Tony Allen take all Tony the time. Allen. All the time, yeah. yeah. In his fourth year, Roberson's still learning, still still getting acclimated. I mean, the, the time I can live with Roberson is when he's shooting well, which is not often. No. But game one, he did hit, <laughs> I think, two or three threes. Three, and he ended up with, like, 18 points, something like that. Yeah. So if he's playing well, he's shooting well, sure. Yeah. Have him on the court. Let him let him score. Let him get a few buckets because he's not, it's not going to happen very often. He did come into the league aver- or advertised as a, a rebounding guy. He, he led the nation in rebounds at Colorado um, in his, I believe, sophomore year. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, he does get – his rebounds, I think. His value, his value is there. Yeah. Maybe just maybe not in this series. Yeah. Not against the Rockets. Yeah. Not against the Rockets. Cut your losses. Oh. Andre Roberson, wishing him a wonderful career in the NBA. Yeah. Um, as a lockdown defender. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my message to him is, uh, get in the gym this summer. <laughs> get on, uh, get on the gun. Start shooting some threes. Get on the, get on the gun. Get, get your shots up. Yeah. He's uh, worst shooter in the league, according to stats. Like I said, not a numbers guy, but stats don't lie. That's a number. Uh, you ready for our uh, our ten seconds of NHL news? Uh, yeah, I am. All aboard. Yes, yes. Count me down. Three, two, one. A day after Buffalo Sabres star center Jack Eichel insisted his team had no problems, the Sabres fired both their general manager and their head coach. Yeah, love a good hockey feud or a good mm-hmm. hockey cover-up. Mm-hmm. Nothing better in the world of sports. Major overhaul in Buffalo. That was 10 seconds of NHL, the NHL Express. And time for our my favorite segment. Yeah. Our Parthenon. Yeah. We're talking underrated presidents um, of our country. Number one on my list, number one most underrated president, John Tyler. 
he was the 10th president and what has he's been dubbed the accidental president because he was the first vice president to to become president in light of the president um, passing away and john tyler his his legacy is um virtually unknown he he began the annexation of texas which was later completed by his his successor james k polk yes. who gets who gets much of the, the fame for that rightly so for that well who began drawing the drawing the plans? No, oh. John Tyler did. Um, he also settled a dispute over the Oregon Territory with Great Britain, um, while also avoiding a war, which which is kind of a big deal. Most people don't know about that. Um, he vetoed a reform to the banking system. Banking system, prime prime proponent uh, Alexander Hamilton started that that mess. Um, John Tyler kept it in check. John Tyler, interesting fact, also had 15 children, the most of any president. Uh, he actually has two grandchildren that are still alive. To this day, which is <laughs> baffling. Um, you'll like this one. He owned a plantation called Sherwood Forest because. Well, let me let me clarify. I don't like the fact that he owned a plantation. I like the fact that it's called Sherwood Forest, though. Fair enough. He owned he owned a farm. We'll say. Okay. Um, well, mm, we all know what it means. Called called Sherwood Forest because he was likened to Robin Hood, um, a member of a member of the Whig Party initially. John Tyler vetoed a, a, a Whig party um, plan, a bill, and was then ex- expelled from the Whig party in, in a move that, that created this persona of Robin Hood, and then they later named his, his place Sherwood Forest. Um, mm. he's, a, he's, a, he's a big proponent of Manifest Destiny and states' rights. He, limited government guy. Every time, every time I hear Manifest Destiny, I think of Owen Wilson and Night of the Museum mm. playing, uh, what is it, like Jedediah or whatever. Mm. He's like, Manifest destiny. <laughs> All right. So good. Uh, wow. And I'll leave you with this. His his last words. I am going. Perhaps it is best. That's the philosopher John Tyler, <laughs> uh, dwelling on his deathbed. Um, but but he he's considered the accidental president. Not not really supposed to be there. Um, but he was, and he uh, he had a good turn. Yeah, he had fun. Uh, my uh. One of my picks for un- most underrated president. Uh, you mentioned him, James K. Polk, uh, who did, yes, did get the credit for the annexation of Texas, mm-hmm. rightly so. Completed Tyler's work. Yeah, well, you know, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. And James K. Polk finished it, so mm-hmm. there you have it. But uh, he did he did say that going into the presidency, he had four things on his agenda. Mm-hmm. Four things. And... Uh, he left after uh, completing all four of them. He just had one term. He was, and those four things were, number one, he extended the southwestern U.S. border, okay. so Nevada, Arizona, and uh, New Mexico. And he fixed the the northern border, uh, like with Iowa, and the Iowa-Canada type thing. Uh, I'm not really sure how Canada played into it, because mm-hmm. Iowa's kind of far away. But he avoided war, which is the big thing. So... Fresh off of, well, not fresh off of, but sort of off of a revolution. Probably, I don't know, yeah, 40 or 50 so years removed. Fresh off it. Pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, pretty fresh. Yeah, in, in terms of time. Our country. Yes. Uh, and then he uh, sort of fixed Florida, uh, their status. As Can a, anybody fix Florida? Well, no. It's America's basement yeah. for good reason. But, um, yeah. And he actually established a new national bank that, Ended up lasting until the 20th century, but you know, that's impressive. It is. 
big thing big thing to know there is John Tyler brought James K. Polk on the into government. Well, in a way, essentially, James K. Polk just cleaned up John Tyler's mess. Um, another one of my underrated presidents, not really for anything else outside of this one reason, um, Millard Fillmore, a guy a guy I would love to have on literally literature because he was considered a voracious reader, and and in one heroic act, he he ran across um, the DC the DC city. To, to help fight a fire in the Library of Congress just to save some books. <laughs> Gosh, man. And nearly, nearly died in, in, in light of trying to stop this fire. Uh, wow. A real That's president, incredible. Yeah, a pres- president that puts himself first. Yeah. Or not, does not put himself first. Uh, selfless guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, that's that for Parthenon today. Yeah. And finally... It's April 21st again. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to these fine folk. Fine folk. Born on April 21st. We've got the great, the wonderful, the beautiful. Tony Romo. <laughs> He's 37 years old. Oh, man. 37 <laughs> years young. Intercepted. Yes. Uh, that's another interception for Tony Romo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Queen Elizabeth. She's turning 91. He, Tony Romo intercepted the pass, but uh, yes. nonetheless, Queen Elizabeth, she's turning ninety-one. Mm-hmm. 90, ninety-one, still kicking it, still kicking, still, still creating mm-hmm. lots of change over in yeah, very powerful the GB. Hey, at least she's not doing what Erdogan is doing and abolishing the prime minister post, and also the parliament, right? And yeah. then consolidating power, making herself a dictator. But hey, again, There's Erdogan, still time. if you're out There's there, still time for that. Yeah, there is still time. It's never too late to start over, you know. That's right. I'm behind you, Elizabeth. We wish her many more years as as Queen Elizabeth on this earth. Yes. Yes. Indeed. And like I said, Tony Romo also shares a birthday with the Queen. Recently retired Tony Romo. Yeah. Moving on to the broadcasting world. Mm-hmm. How do you think he'll do? Do you think he'll he'll be successful? Uh I think so, yeah. I think he's got a he's a pretty smart dude, pretty well spoken. Inexperienced. Yeah, but he just seems kind of like a fun guy. Mm-hmm. I think he'll do well. Yeah, I hope he do. I hope he will. Yeah. I mean, they say Jim Nance can make anybody good. <laughs> yeah, but but can Tony Romo make Jim Nance even better? That's what I'm looking for. That's the question. Mm-hmm. Question of the hour. Yeah. And finally, last but uh, certainly not certainly not least, no. Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Mr. <laughs> James. Mr. Tumnus. McAvoy. 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 Yeah, McAvoy's easier to say. I think. But he's turning thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, recently starred in uh, M Night Shyamalan's film Split, Split, mm-hmm. which I heard was pretty good. I wasn't interested in it. It was. It was interesting. <laughs> it was about as as M Night Shyamalan as you get. Um, but yeah. James James performed very well. Good, good for him. Yeah, yeah great actor. Bright future ahead of him too. I think when he gets old, he's gonna become like really good. When he gets like in his sixties and seventies, yeah, that, that's a good point. He'll be like amazing. Uh, he kind of he kind of rose to fame through his X Men role as young Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's maybe he's got a professor role in yeah. his far future. Definitely, I can see it. But yeah, yes, that's uh, the conclusion mm-hmm. of uh, t- today's podcast. Yeah. Remember, folks, Andre Roberson, you want him on your team. Except when you're playing the Rockets. <laughs> Except when you're playing the Rockets. Go ahead and uh, listen to iTunes. Yeah. Leave that review. Leave a five-star rating. Five-star rating. Talk about how you don't want Andre Roberson on your team. 
for this upcoming NBA playoff season. Don't do that. Don't waste your time. On behalf of all of us over at the Info Cafe. The whole team. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.